0: Good afternoon to the UK Column viewers and listeners, wherever you are in the world. Um, we've got a lovely day, lovely afternoon here in Plymouth. The sun is just peeping out. And uh, so if you're having a look at the view over the hoe, which is over my shoulder, uh, it's beginning to look quite uh, quite a nice scene. So that's that's a good setting for our interview this afternoon. And I'm delighted to welcome Clive DeKarl back with the UK Column. Uh, Clive is a man I've known for many years. Um, We had a period where our paths diverged slightly and um, it's really great to be able to catch up. So for the audience, you're going to be hearing Clive and myself catching up on quite a few years as we discuss matters to do with health. Clive, welcome.
1: Well, thank you very much, Brian. Great pleasure to be with you again. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it's good. We finally made it. And I'm I'm going to admit to the audience that you came all the way to the UK Column Studio a little while ago because we had an interview planned. And then for various reasons, uh, we weren't able to do that interview. So you kindly agreed to join us again by remote link. So we're going to thank the technology for getting you into the studio. Um, Clive, I I wanted to open open up by saying... um, you know, we've lived through some amazing years, of which, of course, I suppose the COVID nineteen uh, scandemic, the lockdown, was was an absolutely major milestone. But in the the years since that, we've been able to sit down and chat face to face. What's been your impression on what's been happening to people's health?
1: Well, people's health is deteriorating. I mean. Partly, you might say it's their own fault because so many people are going to the supermarket to buy their food, and arguably, how much food is really in a supermarket? Uh, years ago, about 10 years ago, I went to Little, I think it was, and uh, I started filming looking for food. Is there anything that, in my opinion, is, would really count as food? And, and I, I rate my opinion a bit like our great-great-great-grandparents, they would have looked at food they would have looked at modern bread and modern milk and food in packets and they'd just look at it and say, that's not real. It, it's not real. And on top of that, they said, what, what are all these additives, you know, the fungicides and pesticides that have been sprayed on the herbicides and the larvicides and then the preservatives and everything else? What have you done to real food? So unfortunately, because food is seldom really fresh, you know, you pick pick an orange or a red pepper or something. And within 24 hours, the vitamin content has already degraded substantially. So by the time it's maybe taken a week or something to get to your plate, uh, how, how much nutrition is there left and how much was in the soil in the first place? So the reality is that pretty much everybody these days is nutrient deficient and therefore we break at the weakest point. You know, some people get a heart issue. Some people might have cancer. Some people you know, one disease or another. But at the end of the day, we've lost our health. And when we lose our health, we go to a doctor. But doctors don't study health. You know, one might say, well, actually, would it be better to somebody who studied health for five or six years rather than a doctor who studies medicine? You know, medicine and health are absolute opposite ends of the scale when it comes to healing.
0: Thank you very much for that interesting introduction there. Uh, I remember a little um, statement. I think it went something like, uh, people are well-fed but starving. Does that sum it up?
1: Yeah, no, no, that that really is the case. You know, um, we we think of people who are starving as very, very thin and in, in malnutrition. But the reality is, some of the people who are actually quite overweight are technically starving, and their body in an effort to get that nutrition in is saying, eat more, eat more, eat more. But if you're eating the wrong things, you're not real food, then you're going to put on weight. And if the body takes in toxins, let's say there's a toxin in the food, some chemical or something, what does the body do if it takes it in, but then can't get rid of it? Well, really the choice is you could put it in the organs, that would be silly, put it in the brain, that would be silly, put it in the bloodstream, that could be dangerous. You, the body parks it in fat, so quite a few people who've got a roll of belly fat, it may be that it's not that they're eating too much. It might be, but it might also be that there are some toxins that one needs to get out. And at the end of the day, when we get ill, there are only three things that could possibly cause the problem: there's physical damage—you've been hit by a truck, or you've had an operation, or something's happened—physical damage, toxic poisoning. And all of us are toxically poisoned one way or another, both emotionally with ideas that are put in our head, uh, along with real toxins in the food. And the third and last reason is nutrient deficiency. So we're all toxically poisoned. We're all nutrient deficient. Some of us f- are physically damaged. You know, There isn't a fourth reason. It's not like we're low on drugs or anything like that.
0: Something we need to say to the audience early on in this discussion is that we're not here to give medical advice. Uh, we're gonna have a discussion on health. Do you want to add anything to that caveat? How, how would you describe your work?
1: Well, I, I view myself as an educator uh, about health. And you know, I don't study medicine, uh, although I have read many, many books Uh, that were published before the Second World War for medical doctors because up until the Second World War, uh, medicine progressed at a pretty rapid rate. I mean, John Wesley, who started the Wesleyan chapels in the 18th century, he was using primitive, if you like, battery technology to cure all sorts of ailments from sight issues. Right across the board, he became very famous as a healer. By 1843, Guy's Hospital in London, who were at that point offering water therapies, and homeopathy, and herb, herbs, and, and so on. In 1843, they opened their electrotherapy department. So, electrotherapy was in use way before the first synthetic pharmaceutical drugs came into existence. So, by the 1920s, 1930s, what the medical doctors were doing was incredible. I mean, they were using very simple remedies like bicarbonate of soda. And even today, in the emergency room, the doctors still use bicarbonate of soda because somebody's having a stroke. It would probably be their first choice. They might inject magnesium if somebody's having a heart attack. You know, 100 years ago, they knew what to do. You know, doctors knew how to remedy thyroids. It was all natural at that point. They were using, let's say, animal uh, extracts from an animal thyroid to, to fix thyroids at that point then the moment the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical industry found a way to take some natural substance and artificially synthesize it and therefore patent it, all the old teachings dro- dropped away and you know so what what I do these days to a very large degree is I teach people what our ancestors were doing successfully for pennies, years ago, and on the other end of the scale, I very much look at the modern developments in the world uh, to see what are the most effective healing mechanisms now. And I'm glad to say that almost every loss of health that people might encounter can generally be remedied, pretty much the whole thing.
0: For viewers, and I suspect there's going to be a, a lot of them, um, you're well known to many people, uh, Clive, but you, this is the first interview with UK Column for a very long time. So so for our wider audience in 2023, just give us a, um, a little snapshot. How did you get into this interesting subject of health? How did you get started?
1: Well, I've been working in the field of ophthalmology. Um, I worked with opticians and ophthalmic surgeons and Then later with brain surgeons, uh, I used to uh, import equipment from Japan, for instance, and I started with others what became Britain's largest contact lens company. And then I made a big mistake. I had some spots on my face. I was very, very, very embarrassed. I was about 31, and I was way too old to have those. And instead of changing my diet away from Mars bars and sandwiches, I went to a doctor. I don't know what I was thinking. And they said, oh, I've got the answer for you, an antibiotic. Took the antibiotic and wham. Within a very short time, I had visual problems. I had rheumatoid arthritis so badly that one morning I couldn't get out of bed. I was stuck there like a stranded whale. And they put me in hospital for weeks and weeks. And they kept on offering me drugs. And I said, well, look, I'm not low on drugs. Drugs aren't the answer. What else have you got? And... You know, at this point I was being monitored 24 hours a day. I couldn't be left alone. you know I could barely walk and um, they said there was nothing we can do. And pretty much the day they told me that was the day that I worked out what to do myself and my wife at the time wheeled me out in a wheelchair and I started taking minerals and vitamins, changed my diet a little bit, not dramatically, but a little bit. I was also type 1 diabetic by that time because it hit my pancreas. Now I was falling to bits. Anyway, that was 38 years ago, so it took me a while to get better. But 37 years ago, all the crippling arthritis went away, never come back. And my only challenge now is I'm still type 1 diabetic. But the good news is that type 2 diabetics, they're easy to fix. In a month, almost every type 2 diabetic can no longer be type 2 diabetic. It's, it's very good news.
0: Once you'd... Um... You'd sorted yourself out. Where, where did the journey take you? Did, did you? did other people come to you or were you looking around and saw people who had, who had problems? How, how did it go from, from your own problems? Well,
1: at that point, I decided to leave the UK and I moved to Spain where I had a small organic farm. And um, my colleagues at the contact lens company sold it. And suddenly, I was able to relax. I didn't have money pressures for a few years. And I thought, well, what am I going to do with my life? And uh, it sounds crazy, but I wanted to change the world in a beneficial way. But I realized that people were so ill, generally, you know, just maybe just under the weather, but people didn't appear to have the energy to change the world, quite honestly. So I thought, right, well, I've had my own experience. I'm going to teach other people how to get their energy back, how to get their health back. And then somebody said, you should start giving talks. And that was my worst nightmare. I was the one at the the school at the back, hiding behind the desk, because I I hated talking in public. And suddenly I found I was quite good at it. So I started giving talks around the place, and that's what I enjoy doing a lot now, Um, because the, the the more I've learned, the simpler it is. You know, pretty much everybody with fibromyalgia has probably got... Uh, a, def- a deficiency of just one or two very basic minerals, selenium and magnesium. Probably the, uh, a case in point, people with heart issues, arrhythmia, people with constipation, people with backache, people people with joint pains like arthritis, people um, uh, who have um, restless leg at night, muscle cramps, twitches, spasms like menstrual cramps, um... If I mentioned before, constipation, uh, anxiety, depression, all those are symptoms of magnesium deficiency. You don't have to have the lot, you only need to have one. You know, you, you're hiccuping. Well, that's a spasm, spasmodic contraction of the diaphragm, and magnesium can fix it, can hopefully remedy all those things and bring, bring you back to health in a day often. I mean, not the arthritis is not, going to take longer. But people who are having arrhythmia, usually bam, it's stopped that day. Um, People who are depressed. I've had people who are suicidal um, 24 hours later, not suicidal anymore, because they took um, 12 magnesium capsules of the right type each day. And by the end of the second day, they phoned me up to tell me they weren't suicidal anymore. Now, um, I'm not giving medical advice because I don't do medicine. I'm giving... Uh, health su- suggestions and if i mention words like cure or cancer or anything like that for legal reasons i'm spelling them with a k
0: we live in a crazy world don't we that that it's dangerous to talk as members of the public about things that could help people who are who are suffering many different conditions. So this, this is a fantastic, well, it's great discussion already and there's lots of directions we could go into, but I think it's worth pushing to our audience the fact that um, Clive is here speaking to us today and the reality is he has to be careful. We have to be careful about what we say, because if we say the wrong things, um one, we could lose this interview, but two, we could come under all sorts of un- other pressures. So we live in this amazing society where uh, I would agree with you, if you go to a GP, what is that GP now trained in to use a computer to identify the drug which the local pharmaceutical rep has suggested that he should give for any particular ailment? And of, of course, we know Uh, If we take pharmaceutical products, that the first thing we should check, having taken the doctor's advice, of course, we should check the leaflet that comes with those pharmaceutical products to see what the side effects are and whether indeed they're suitable for us. But the print that that is printed in is always very, very small indeed. So, yeah, what a world, uh, Clive, if we sit here and try and talk about things which may, may help people's health and general mood, we could run into trouble.
1: Of course, the doctors usually get a totally different set of warnings, much more comprehensive. But of course, they don't read them. And generally, they're written on a piece of paper which sort of folds out into the size of a poster and uh, in very, very fine print. And they don't have the time, let alone the will, uh, to read them. I I feel sorry for doctors because it is dictated to them how they're going to behave. They yeah. have to give certain remedies. I went to my GP some years ago and said, "Look, just out of interest, um, you know, as you probably know, your predecessors used to give iodine as a remedy. You know, consistently, very often, so often, in fact, that if a patient came to the doctor and they didn't know what to do, they would often give iodine because it would uh, balance out temperature. If you're at a low temperature, that can be unhealthy. So." Iodine helps balance temperature, just as one example. And I said, well, look, um, you if know, somebody had a thyroid problem, really, y- your ancestors, your predecessors would have known that iodine would have been, let's say, the first thing of choice. Could you offer iodine? Let's say you did the research, you, you discovered, yes, this, this this was a viable remedy. So absolutely not. I couldn't give it even if I wanted to. because the regulations say, I have to do ABC in that order, drug, drug, drug.
0: I've told this story in several places because it's personal story, a story that's personal to me, but it's absolutely true. And this was something that really got me thinking about how the system worked. And that was um, many, many years ago, I had very bad tennis elbow in my left elbow. And um, uh, it ended up that I got to the point of having the famous cortisone injection, which was... Uh, pretty unpainful, uh, pretty painful, but but also it didn't really make much difference. And the the GP told me with great confidence um, that the thing was that if you had uh, you had tennis elbow as bad as this, you were probably going to suffer it for the rest of your life. And so I existed for a, a few months with my bad tennis elbow, and then one evening I was looking on the dreaded YouTube for. Um, Ideas as how you could sort of ease the pain. Um, a lot of it was semi-pharmaceutical adverts, and I skimmed through those. And the next minute, I was looking at this um, little film clip of what I can only describe as an American redneck, because he was he was there in his very um, tattered. Uh, um, jean type dungarees and a check shirt standing in the American backyard, surrounded by rusting cars. And he looks at the camera and said, if you want to get rid of tennis elbow, I'm going to show you how. And uh, what he described was an exercise. I'll just hold my hand out, but you hold a stick in your hand rather than a pen and you're going to move your, your hand very slowly. And this was an exercise that he said you should do um, twice a day and to do the exercise until it got painful, but not too painful. He said, if it gets uh, really bad, you might want to put a bit of ice on the elbow. But in fact, if you can just take the bit of pain, keep repeating the exercise. He said in two or three weeks, the tennis elbow will go and so i decided to follow the advice and in 2 or 3 weeks the tennis elbow pain went and it has never come back and for me this this got me questioning all sorts of things because the gp had been, had been adamant there was nothing that he could do to to solve that problem so here i am i can do all sorts of things um, if you if you were to use a screwdriver you know, that's always a very painful thing if you've got tennis elbow, that turning motion with your wrist. But I could do that with, with my left hand. it has gone. And I just followed a hillbilly's advice. So I'm going to throw that back to you, Clive, and say, for me, that was a little personal event that started me thinking about what what, what it was, what advice a GP gave.
1: So it's a great shame that GPs don't study health. You know, because otherwise that could have been talked to them on day one. They'd never forget. You know, I'm, for tennis elbow, I might have suggested magnesium because magnesium is the the muscle relaxant, the, the mind relaxant. It just relaxes every cell of the body, which is why it often is the complete cure for constipation because it just relaxes you enough so it all flows nicely. You know, the heart is relaxed because that all flows nicely. You know, I believe that, let's say, by the age of 15 or so, uh, at school, there should be a health lesson where people would come in and say, well, this is how I cured myself. This is how I make, make sure now that nobody gets it in the future. I mean, the, the information is so easy to understand. I mean, one, one of the things that flabbergasts people is that in the Japanese language, traditionally, there's never been a word for menopause, basically, because it hardly ever happens in Japan. They're eating so much seaweed, which is full of iodine, and eating a lot of sea fish, morning, noon, and night generally, that they've got all the iodine they need. So breast cancer is very rare, but the menopause doesn't really happen because, as I mentioned earlier, iodine helps regulate temperature via the thyroid. And if you've got enough iodine, well, not only have you got those benefits, but uh, you shouldn't get a thyroid problem, And there's so much iodine in the thyroid, that's where most of it is in in women, the second most common place is in the breasts. But imagine you've got enough iodine in the thyroid, then every 20 minutes or so, when the blood flows through the thyroid, any pathogen that's in the blood would pretty much be guaranteed to be destroyed. If you think about iodine, before they do some surgery, they paint you with iodine because no pathogen bacteria could survive the iodine. So if you if you're full of iodine, then as the blood flows, pathogens, bacteria, and stuff should should get decimated. However, if you're drinking chlorinated water, if you're bathing in it, cooking in it, there's an issue. I did a video about three months ago now where I got three glasses of tap water with, with chlorine in. I got some indicator drops, the type of indicator drops that, that you see whether there's an see if there's enough chlorine in your swimming pool. So put it in the first glass of water, goes green. Okay, lots of chlorine in that glass. Second glass of water, I put three fingers in, stirred them around for a couple of seconds, put the indicator drops in, nothing happened. Third glass, I put a bit of raw potato in, stirred that around for a few seconds, put the indicator drops in, nothing. Where had the chlorine gone? I would contend that in three seconds it went into my fingers and into my body and into the potato. So what if you're having a bath and stuff? You know, poison gas in World War One, and we're, while our bodies are hot and our pores are open, we're breathing in, we're putting right into our bloodstream chlorine gas, poisonous gas. Now, chlorine will, will displace iodine in the thyroid. So now you haven't got enough iodine. Then maybe you've gone for a swim in the swimming pool. Oh, dear. You've brushed your teeth in fluoride or there's fluoride in the water supply locally. That knocks out the thyroid and the uh, iodine again. If you just bought some new furniture, the government insists that it should be sprayed with flame retardant, which is usually bromine salts. So you're getting that as well. It's crazy. And how much is a year's supply of iodine? 25 quid. Iodine used to be on sale in every chemist, but about 15 odd years ago, they stopped it. The government stepped in, no, you can't sell iodine anymore. Why not? Because people were waking up to the fact that it might fix their hormones. It might fix their menopause symptoms. It might regulate their temperature. They might get their brain back. Often people taking the right type of iodine in the right dosages with selenium, which which goes with it, in weeks, they say, oh, I had this terrible brain fog. I'd walk in a room and forget why I walked in. I couldn't remember where the car keys are. Now, a few days, a few weeks later, I got my brain back. That's how powerful iodine can be. We're just scratching the surface of what it can actually do for pennies.
0: This is quite amazing, isn't it? That, that some. I mean, this is a nice subject overall, isn't it? Talking about how we can make people feel better, how people... Um, could be healed. Am I allowed to use that term? Uh, well, we're talking about it in a non... <laughs> I don't know. There must be some cav- caveat on that, but making people feel no, better.
1: Health and healing go together, don't they? Health and healing. Yeah. That, that's all right. It's just medicine and drugs. that,
0: that <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we're, we're having a subject which should inherently be, be a wonderful subject because it's about how people can make themselves uh, feel better as a result of doing some really simple things that they can, they can afford and they can source locally, and they haven't got all the stress or worry of can they book an appointment with the doctor? And of course, one of the things that we are seeing more and more is that a lot of people now are suffering stress and trauma because they can't actually even book an appointment with the GP. Um, this this is. This is utter madness, but you you see it with people. A lady said to me the other morning, I've spent, I think she said two and a half hours repeatedly phoning the doctor's surgery to try and get an appointment because they just tell you, no, you have to, if you don't get an appointment today, you have to phone again the next day. And it's like a competition as to who can phone in first to get an appointment. And what is it doing with these people? It's absolutely stressing them which presumably makes any condition worse.
1: Well, they may not realize it, but I suspect the doctors are doing them a favor. You know, there have been several countries in the past where doctors have gone on strike, and the statistics are that less people die when doctors aren't working. So if one can accept the idea that in general there's always a natural way to do it, yes, it might take some effort. Yes, you might have to change your diet. Yes, you might have to take some supplements. But... Um, drugging somebody is drugging somebody. They're not, you know, yes, in certain instances, there, there are some pharmaceutical drugs that, if you like, work, and the side effects might be absolutely minimal if, if almost non-existent. But generally speaking, there are huge effects that, you, that are unwanted from the drugs. So I think the doctors might have been doing them a favor by not seeing them because we are self-repairing. Doctors don't accept this. I don't think they do anyway. Um, you know, if we, if we go wrong, well, it's either a toxicity, physical damage, or nutrient deficiency. So all you have to do is correct those, and we should go, be right again. But the doctors say, oh, your body's gone wrong. It's not nutrition or anything like that. It's your body. Your body's let you down. I don't believe that. I don't believe your body would ever let you down. I think it's way simpler than that. Uh, so, doctors, because they believe your body has let you down, they say, well, look, we can override your body and do better. But I don't see many examples where they actually succeed.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. Clive, on your journeys or, or your journey, are you now in contact with other people that have reached the same conclusion that you have? Do, do you get, um, are you able to? get support from other people you can meet and, and they're dealing in the same, uh, working in the same field as yourself?
1: Well, thankfully, yes, there are loads of people who've worked this out decades ago. You know, it's not some sort of, what I'm talking about is, is not in any way new. So uh, probably the, the United States is where most of the people who speak a little bit like I do uh, are there. And one of, well, I think the most visited health site in the world is Dr. Mercola. Um, I think it used to be in the top 500 sites visited. It's just incredible. But he's now so censored that they took him down completely, and his business collapsed 99% when that happened. That He just vanished off Google, this was years ago. But he fought back. Now he's allowed to put up a post, I think for 48 hours, then he has to remove it. I mean, you know, they, the, the, if you like, the bigger they get, the more they tend to try to stop you communicating your message. You know, as you know, I've been taken off uh, YouTube when when we all did Ian Crane and yourself and m- myself se- several years back. Then I got taken off again because when this the naughty thing happened in 2020, the moment I started saying, "Look, vitamin C, you know, various things you could be doing." to get your health uh, keep your health you know retain it not even get anything um, i got i got absolutely destroyed you know, from the point of view taken down off everywhere the hip pieces yeah. stayed up all the all the nice bits and all my work all the hundreds and hundreds of videos you know they just sort of vanished
0: Well, it was very obvious at that point that anybody who dared put an alternative view on matters to do with with health and medicines was uh, causing. uh, We can say the establishment, but we we can see now that it's the establishment mixed with the power of the pharmaceutical companies. And um, so anybody who was in this field was perceived as a as a huge threat. Um, Just for the audience, UK column was taken down from YouTube because we put out the testimony of a lady talking about the adverse effect that her husband had suffered as a result of vaccination. Uh, She gave the testimony. We reported what she said and we were taken off YouTube. However, the Daily Mail, three months later, reported exactly the same story, the exactly the same testimony as to the adverse effect that the husband had suffered, and that was allowed to stand in the newspaper. So then it became clear that, that there was this uh, very well-orchestrated system of censorship which was going to be applied in different ways to different people. So um, we're clearly up against a monster but it's also a monster that's very frightened of anybody that starts to put I'm going to say factual information back into the system
1: yeah it's uh, a crazy world out there however, as more and more people wake up um, in some ways the signs are looking good I mean I wonder how many people it takes who are if you like activists to actually change the world you know if, 10%, 15%, 20% of people actually decided enough is enough. I mean, what, what do you think it would take? You know, there could be a tipping point somewhere else there, do you think?
0: Well, I, I, I mean, I've heard tipping points as low as sort of about 3%. I certainly, you know, it's just my opinion. I believe that the tipping point of people is a lot lower than you think it is. You don't need 90% of people to change. You don't. I don't even think you need 50%. I think, you know, if you're in the realms of a good strong 10, 15 percent of people who say no, and they're dealing in the truth and they're dealing in facts, that's going to spread so fast that they're going to achieve the the effect, but possibly lower than 10 or 15 percent. It's having a core of people who say, no, we're not going to we're not going to live a life of lies. We're going to challenge what's happening. I think that's the power.
1: Yes, and I, I think people would be persuaded if they understood how much wealthier they would be if we did it a, a better, another way. Because you know, everybody realizes how we're be, our money is being robbed from us. It, it's yeah. absolutely criminal, yeah, it's, and we don't like what they're spending it on. Uh, yes. So you know, I'm optimistic actually.
0: We're certainly seeing a lot more people interested in what they eat and how they eat. And uh, I think we're also seeing a lot more people interested in what they can do themselves uh, to improve their own health. So, yeah, I think that's a, that that's a very positive step. Now, you, you've mentioned um You've mentioned a few things. You've talked about magnesium and, and iodine, and you've, you've warned there about what's really happening when you're bathing in chlorinated water. I started to pay attention to water when my, my cocker spaniels one day simply refused to drink the tap water. The previous day they'd drunk it, that day they wouldn't drink it, and they did not drink it from that day on. And that was the day I started to pay attention to what I was drinking in the house. but you've you've covered some of those um, those areas. what What about the food side? what Where would you point people to improve their quality of life by what they eat?
1: I love growing things. So while at the moment I've only got a fairly small garden, I'm growing everything that I possibly can fit in. And some things are ridiculously easy, like potatoes. You, know, you don't don't you have to dig? You just put put some soil on top of them, or put cardboard on top and soil on top of that. Uh, you can cut a hole for for the sprouts. But I mean, potatoes. Uh, I've got loads growing in the garden, and and you need do nothing. No weeding is necessary generally. So easy and abundant. I've got raspberries growing. They're incredibly easy. I've found I haven't found any pests attacking them. My strawberries have got eaten alive. But I've got everything from celery to green beans and peas. And, you know, it's quite lush. And I'm looking forward to stuff. I mean, I find gardening, if it doesn't take too, too much effort, if you like, really rewarding. So it's great. Um, I sprout things if I want to, you know, lentils. If I buy, let's say, a kilo of lentils, let's say I want to cook for four, I might take 100 grams or something and soak them. Uh, then after a, a day of soaking, I'll just dry them out, rinse them, leave them damp in a kilner jar or something, with the lid off for a day, then rinse them again, rinse them again maybe. And by this time, they've quadrupled in size. So a kilo has become four kilos. So in other words, a quarter of the cost of the food. And you can do that with pre- pretty much all the beans, all the pulses, uh, you can sprout seeds. You know, I, I haven't done it recently, but I, I used to like getting a whole mixture of seeds. And you could buy organic seeds for sprouting. And I, and I just get a pinch of this, pinch of that. Maybe 12 different types of seeds. Could be radish, cucumber, onions, chives, garlic, whatever, and make a salad um, from fresh sprouts. You know, the cost was 5p or something for a meal. Super inexpensive. Someone can do that and then... Find a farmer. Find somebody locally who's not spraying chemicals on their on their products, not um, poisoning their animals with grains. I mean, you know, what do cows eat? Cows eat grass. No, they don't. Cows do not eat grass. The meadows they eat wildflowers with mushrooms and herbs, and you know, a proper meadow. That's what they should be eating. Cows love eating leaves off trees you know, they, 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 like us, would have lived in the forest. If you feed a cow grains, soya, or you can feed a cow that's not organic, uh, genetically modified food. Even with organic cows, it turns out that the farmers can give non-organic bedding to their organic cows, and that's allowed. What do cows eat? They're bedding. So, You know, Can you trust a big supermarket which says it's organic? Well, hopefully you can, but maybe you can't if they're feeding genetically modified, God knows what, bedding to their animals. So if you feed an animal grains where they should be eating green stuff, the body of the animal will start to run acidic, so it won't be well. It won't be a well animal. Maybe they've got to give it some antibiotics, which, of course, the the, the unscrupulous farmers love because antibiotics make, make the animals fat makes them put on weight. So antibiotics are good, so to speak. But if we eat animal products from an animal that's been fed genetically modified, who knows what, how well are we going to be? So a good steak used to be respected as a wonderful food. In my day, I'm about to be 70, in my day, a good steak meant it was marbled with deep, creamy-colored, yellowy fat. you know, if it was marbled with fat, that meant it was a good steak. Then they lied. Then they started saying fat is bad, low cholesterol is good, margarine is good. Uh, don't use lard or dripping or butter or cream or anything like that because it's naughty. When by definition the word cream means the best, you know, the cream of the crop, the fat of the land, the fatted calf, all that. And those people who followed that advice and started eating low cholesterol low-natural-fat foods, they're the ones who became demented. They're the ones who got Alzheimer's. They're the ones who ended up with Swiss cheese where their brains used to be. It's very sad. So if you're eating oils out of a bottle, like sunflower oil, nut oils, whatever the oil, with perhaps the honorable exception of extra-virgin organic olive oil in glass... If you're eating pretty much all the other oils out of a plastic bottle, you're destroying your arteries and destroying your brains. And probably that oil could well be slightly rancid or rancid. People don't know what they're doing with food right now. We need to go back to how our ancestors ate. And, you know, if they ate a pig or, you know, they had some beef or something, it would have been lovingly, lovingly raised in a natural, old fashioned way. As our ancestors, ancestors used to do, forever. You know, but unfortunately, modern convenience foods—some m- yeah, are great, but many of them are super dangerous. I mean, you know, milk. My grandfather, if you would showed him a, some, a bottle of white milk, he would have said, "That's that's paint. That's white paint. That's not milk. There's milk. There's a big creamy layer at the top, and there's a yellow colour from Jersey and Guernsey cows." he would have looked at the wheat, and he would have said, hang on, wheat is five foot high, but this stuff you're growing is about this high. That's not wheat. Something's happened to that wheat, and indeed it was. They genetically modified the wheat. You know, they, they hybridized it down to dwarf wheat. And those people can't get on with that. They don't get on well with that. Their stomachs can't handle it. Then they have leaky gut and problems like that. Then there's the glyphosate. You know, the herbicide, they spray on loads of uh, vegetables and grains and so on. Unless you're using soil-based minerals like fulvic, F-U-L-V-I-C, fulvic minerals can do a good job towards uh, getting rid of the glyphosate, getting r- rid of um, carbon particles, various things. You know, if if you're not eating or getting soil-based minerals, how are you going to get the trace elements that you need? In the old days, farmers cut down the wheat. You know, they took the grains away, and then they burnt the stubble to the ground, putting all the minerals back in the soil again. But now, every harvest, they take take it out, take it out. You're not allowed to burn them anymore. You know, minerals aren't really destroyed by burning. And... Um, So every year, the wheat harvest is getting less nutrients every year until the point where many soils are now a grey sort of colour, whereas they would have been dark, rich brown. You know, I've watched in my lifetime the destruction of agriculture. You know, when I was young, that field over there would be bright red with poppies. That one would be bright, bright yellow with flowers. That one would be blue with flowers. That one would be purple. And then with modern agriculture, it's gone. All the wildflowers to a very large degree are gone and with, and with it the insects.
0: It's gone, but this is not accidental. This is as a result of deliberate policy, which is being forced onto the farmers. And so when we're, when we're discussing you know, this subject of what's happened to our food, what's happened to farming, what is going to happen to farming, the policies coming out of the... Uh, political corporate system are deliberately doing this and we can see it. I mean, we've got these, this amazing circumstance in Holland where they're talking about simply taking 3,000 farms out of business. Now, we could argue that that Holland is one of the countries where it's been very intensive farming for a very long time and we could we could maybe pick up problems to do with the type of farming in Holland. But now we've got clear plans which have caused a backlash in that country that 3,000 farms are simply going to be decommissioned uh, because of globalist policies to change and control our food production. Somebody is planning this.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, a lot of somebody's have been planning it for a very long time, but the answer is two letters, no. You know, we have to stand up and say, no to CBDCs, no to you name it. We haven't asked for it, and we certainly don't want it. And uh, I suppose the issue is where is the the banner to stand behind? They've obviously divided and divided so many of the organisations. Then, as the organisations get bigger, they get infiltrated and you know get get corrupted from the top downwards, so to speak. Um, I do see many people actually coming together. Uh, uh, but I think it's going to take another thrust to have some, something where there's no leadership, there's no leader as such, hopefully, but suddenly the people get the message, here are things we do want, freedom, love, compassion, abundance, you know, a fair money system and so on, and be governed by the wise rather than the criminally insane.
0: Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Um, it'd take a lot of iodine to sort some of their brains out, I would have thought, but there we are. Um, another issue which uh, I've I've come across, I'm going to say increasingly, is problems to do with the diet of males. And um, the subject is really artificial estrogens, which we're now faced with from a number of different areas, including plastics. And um so I'm going to stick up for the men on this occasion that that very often this is a subject that simply isn't talked about but the the average male is faced not only with the problems in the diet and lack of minerals and all the rest of it, but we've got a problem with um uh, these false estrogens having an effect on uh, male health what what's? What's your reaction to, to, to that uh, sort of thing?
1: I've observed it in my lifetime, the feminization of men and the gender confusion uh, with women as well. The, the issue, I think, primarily comes from the sewage works. When the water is recycled, they, they, they split up the components. They try to separate the solids from the liquids and so on, and they se- want to separate the fats. Uh, so with the fats, it's called soapification. And uh, it's well known that the sewage com- companies and so on sell the fats for, uh, for use of soap. So what, watch where you get your soap from. Then um, the most popular drug in the world is the birth control pill, apparently. And they can't, of course, filter that out very effectively, if at all, along with all the other drugs. So the first thing is that if you're bathing in drinking, cooking in water from the tap that happens to have been through the sewage works, you, you're being feminized by the estrogen, and the birth control pills, and the women are getting messed up as well. No wonder the birth rates are plummeting because of the birth control pills. So it's super important to get get a filter. You know, the, When I moved into where I live, I rang up the water people and said, please tell me what's in my water. I, I want to know all the details. Tell me everything. Curiously, they were really excited. In fact, they phoned me back three times to make sure I got all the information I needed. It was like nobody had ever asked. And where I am, apart from putting chlorine in, it was pretty much perfect. And they were proud of that fact. They also told me that they'd discovered a few years ago uh, an aquifer that had not been tapped, this massive reservoir of the purest water you could possibly imagine. I said, oh, that's amazing. So w- when do we get that through our taps? I so, said, "Oh well, no. Unfortunately, for economic reasons, we're going to u- use it to flush the sewage works with."
0: Uh, amazing, right. right? We, we, we got, Well, there's so, so much to talk about here now. Without, without, uh, what are we doing? Without giving an advert for a product, but just talk about filtering water. What, what would you point people towards, and why? I mean, you could go to the supermarket, and you can get a basic. Um, charcoal type filter jug. Um, That would be a simple level, but what else can people do to sort their water out?
1: A charcoal filter jug will hopefully take out most of the chlorine, but it won't take out the fluoride or the chemicals or anything to any degree that's meaningful. So the next step up would be, you know, there are some other jug filters, um, but often they're made of plastic and I, I don't want to be I don't. I don't want to touch plastic if I can possibly avoid it. The last thing to do would be to drink water out of a plastic bottle, particularly if it's been in the sunshine or it's been on your car seat and the sun's shone on it. You know the the estrogens that come out of plastic water bottles is frightening. Um, I personally, at home, use reverse osmosis. Now I'm not saying it's the best, but um, because all I'm dealing with them in my house is chlorine, and they might possibly put aluminium. Uh, into as a flocculating agent to make sure the water's clear, so I want to deal with that as well. Reverse osmosis does, does it really well, and I, I've plugged in a little countertop device where I can turn the button get cold water, warm water, herbal tea temperature water, or boiling water, so I have it in the kitchen, so I don't need a kettle anymore. I just fill the saucepans directly from the boiling water, and that's super convenient, so I use that in the kitchen. In the shower... I've got a vitamin C shower filter, yeah, and these things, are, uh, you, you'll be able to find them, I can't tell you. Um, and, um, but they are on a site which is called MIME. Um, so I'm trying to be subtle and get around advertising standards. The um, vitamin C shower filter neutralizes the chlorine. A tiny bit of vitamin C does that. So if you're running a bath and it's got chlorine in, put a teaspoonful of ascorbic acid, you just basic vitamin C powder, and it will neutralize the chlorine instantly like that. You could put in a teaspoonful of borax, not borax substitute, real borax, if you can find it, uh, and that will neutralize fluoride. There's a lot that you can do. I mean, if um, I just rent my cottage, but if I owned it, I'd probably put in a whole house filter using reverse osmosis, or I might use, there are big filters that come in things like aqualung looking like things. You just run the pipe through that. I've also got a, an electrostatic or sort of magnetic unit which changes the polarity of the water which makes it softer there you are know, a few things you you can do and i i really think it's essential now that we have to deal with the water it, it's poisoned in many cases
0: you say there are some really good filters and of course um many of them can cope extremely well with with rainwater if you catch it so people can do their own research on this but um the Number and types of these filters uh, and quality of them, I think, has has grown over recent years. So there's there's a pretty good choice.
1: The interesting about Sorry. rainwater is that if if you get a rainwater collection system, if you're going to drink it, well, the more sophisticated systems don't collect the water for the first few minutes of rain. So the rain washes the impurities out of the sky, and then you collect it. Then it then it should be absolutely pure as pure.
0: So, Clyde, for for somebody, let's say that that our video is is doing its job, and we've got people who are now getting interested in what you're talking about and how they might um, improve their lives. Um, how would you suggest they start the process? Now, I, I'm very happy we're going to be we're going to be um, giving people the opportunity to visit your own website, but. How, where do people go to, to get information and start this journey of improving their health?
1: I used to say, well, just look on Google, it's all there. But of course, now so much information has gone. So one's got to be, kind of take it with a pinch of salt. I mean, let's say you wanted to know about selenium. Now, uh, uh, I, I often suggest a liquid type of selenium. And if you were to look up the dosage that I suggest on Google, it will tell you that you're going to die for sure. You know, because they recommend a dosage and say anything above that could be, you know, incredibly dangerous. But um, this might be the case if you'd bought the wrong type of selenium. You know, there are many types of minerals. You know, selenium, just like magnesium, there's minerals, and you can have magnesium salts, mineral salts. Selenium salts of all, of all kinds. Anyway, the, the version that I like is, is, a, is actually an oil-based version, not a capsule or anything like that. And it, people have taken doses that are thousands of times higher than Google would say would kill you. So it's knowing what you're dealing with, what version of selenium are we talking about when you do your research? And, of course, you know, the pharmaceutical industry, it might be considered worth their while to say it's very dangerous in a, in a you know, when it's necessarily not. I've had people on the, the right type of, of selenium who have been trying, let's say, for 20 years to come off medications, ADHD medication. They've tried to come off alcohol, whatever it might be. I've had people who, after one, two, or three days on a high dose, have had no problem coming off. And I can explain it very briefly why, because it's super interesting. People who are alcoholics, people who are drug addicts, often they stop. So the alcoholic stops the booze, they go cold turkey, the heroin addict goes cold turkey, they, the alcoholic might get the delirium tremors, they might feel terrible, the heroin addict might feel like they're going to die. And they think it's because they've stopped the drug. But actually, it's the other way around. The body, because it's here to help us, to defend us, makes antitoxins to deal with any toxins we might take in. So, let's say a heroin addict, they're putting in a toxin every day. So, the body does its best to make an antitoxin so you don't feel so bad. They stop the heroin, they stop the booze, but the body hasn't figured out uh, that you've stopped. So, it's still making the antitoxins. And that's what's making them feel so terrible. Selenium, amongst lots of other interesting effects, just happens to turn off antitoxins. So suddenly, the withdrawal, particularly if they take things like vitamin C and fulvic minerals and essential amino acids and a few things like magnesium with it, then people who've literally struggled for decades maybe to come off can find it quite easy. And the addictions page of secrethealthclub.com is an interesting place to start where there are a lot of people who said, well, I did it and this is how. Uh, Where to research, Um, I'm biased, but I I recommend secrethealthclub.com, but when I don't know something, I'll often go to greenmedinfo.com, greenmedinfo.com, or I might go to earthclinic.com, two fantastically useful, accessible sites that, that you, you, you'll, you'll discover, they 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 feel right away, actually, I can trust this information. Earth clinics, people like you and me writing in saying, well, I fixed my IBS or I fixed my this, that, or the other using apple cider vinegar or bicarbonate of soda or magnesium or vitamin C, you know, nat- natural things. And people saying, this is how I did it.
0: Uh, really interesting. Just on... Uh, we haven't got much time remaining, but just on a key area, you mentioned a couple of sort of non, uh, non-mineral non um, treatments, particularly going back into the early 1900s. So you were talking about a sort of the use of electricity and things. There's There's been a number of other... Uh, of these types of things that have been around. One of them that comes into my mind is a device which was supposed to have been developed in Russia and was a little package that you could, you could put on the skin. And uh, it was supposed to be able to um, uh, speed up a healing process. So there, there's been those sorts of things around. And um, what What's your opinion of those sort of devices? do you Do you think there's any merit in them or or are they uh, something to be avoided?
1: well, it, it was only a um, hundred years ago when every hospital uh, major hospital in the world would have had a, an electrotherapy department, I first started studying um, technology by people like Rife, uh, Tesla. And the Russian technology is also incredible, and um, but my favorite by far is really the uh, the earlier stuff. I find Rife technology, while fantastic, uh, not for me anyway. It's a bit geeky for me. I use Tesla devices, like the one just behind my shoulder here. Uh, this is about a hundred years old or so, and I've got a video on the health club where you'll see I get 34 people out of pain in a row. And I spend about five minutes with each one. Um, I've used it for everything from eyesight to ears, to sinuses, uh, to facelifts, to uh, you name it. I'm talking about it now. I've been using them for years, but I've not really publicly talked about it because now I'm no longer doing consultancies. So um, I, I'm happy to talk about them. These days I, I restore them. There's a group of us around the world who collect the really, really good ones, and we restore them and supply them mainly to practitioners, but to um, people in in general. You know, every community really should have one of these. Um, yeah. The problem is um, finding the people who still remember how to restore them. You know, a lot of the restoration people have just died of old age and because these units have been forgotten about pretty much. Um, uh, yeah, finding good ones it, it, it is an art. But uh, nevertheless, there are enough of them to to go around. And amazing, amazing technology. that just needs to be brought back into common use, that's all.
0: I can imagine a lot of people, no pun intending, they're twitching when you're talking about ECT, because there were some really terrible things done
1: it's, um, not it, right. it's not ECT. It's not ECT. What you're looking at is very high voltage. You know, ECT is where you get um, electricity at, at a low frequency where you get muscle convulsions. This, this is way above that. Um, uh, once you've raised voltage up above 5,000 volts, up to, let's say, 50,000 or something, then uh, all you have to do is turn the ampage right down it's the amperage that kills you, it's not the voltage, it's the amperage that does that. So this is very high frequency, very high voltage, incredibly low amperage, a you know, microcurrent. And um, it's enough to illuminate uh, gases filled, um, uh, vacuum tubes filled with argon or neon or nitrogen gases and so on, various the noble gases. And you have two Tesla coils resonating with one another that resonance produces a whole batch of frequencies. Uh, the glass tubes illuminate with whatever color the gas is, a violet light of its argon, for instance. And it, it's essentially, you might say, linear energy, scalar energy. It's not positive and negative, it's just positive. Then you can see plasma running down the glass tubes. And... Uh, is uh, a glass tube that, that this is actually for reduce, for removing cellulite. But you, you, you would if it was on. You see the plasma. and The plasma is the fourth stage of matter. You know you've got gas, liquid, solid, and plasma. They say the sun is a plasma. They, they say so um, a whole host of energies are going into the body, and primar- primary, primary of which I would suggest is electrons. So when we touch the ground barefoot or we do exercise, take antioxidants like vitamin C, we're getting electrons in the body. But the, this device, if you look at on it as an electron generator, it's that like times 1,000, I don't know, times 10,000, which is why the results happen quickly. I mean, the quickest chance I ever had was 10 seconds.
0: This, I've always found a fascinating subject. And again, if people are interested, they can uh, dig into the documents and see what people say. You've got to make up your own mind. And um, and uh, there there are well there's much to much to learn. I was fascinated when I first saw a ray machine, and um, actually I allowed the person to use it on a toe, which had been causing a problem. And uh, my toe did get better. Now was that my imagination or the machine? I don't know. I'll leave that to the audience to decide. But it's uh, a fascinating subject to get into. We're, we're going to give the audience some assistance as to where they can find you and they can uh, hopefully start a journey at finding out more things about diet and what what people can do for themselves to improve their general health. So that would be great. You've come under a lot of pressure to, uh, a lot of pressure censoring, censoring, censoring you and closing you down. Um, so a lot of uh, the effort's got to be from the audience themselves to dig into this and and to uh, find the information for themselves. Any any last points, Clive, that you'd like to encourage people to do?
1: While I can't legally tell you the name of my uh, website that I sell supplements on, um, I can tell you about the Secret Health Club, secrethealthclub.com. If this is a pay-to-join club... And all the information they don't want you to know, hopefully, is is there. All the stuff that they've made me take down is there. And But if somebody can't afford it, um, then all they've got to do is write to me and either say, I can't afford it full stop, give me a free membership, or I can afford this much and happy to pay you this, but I can't pay the full amount. Uh, everybody's welcome. And there's only one rule, that you agree with total health freedom. That's it. And uh, then behind the the club, you know, we're in our own society, we can speak the truth and people get together and I do once a month a Ask Clive Anything session where people can ask me questions and so I'm accessible.
0: Very, very last point then, what what is, um, out of all the things that might be on offer from magnesium and, uh, and zinc and um, what else have we got in there, iodine? Uh, is there one simple thing that you would say to people, give this a try? Salt. Uh,
1: magne- magnesium's got to come out top. that That's the most bang for the buck is magnesium. But don't think you can go to the supermarket or the high street and get the good stuff because it, the price might be right. But uh, usually a lot of magnesium out there is the type that, yes, it'll, it'll move your bowels and give you diarrhea, but it's not going to give you any magnesium. And if you see one that's got calcium mixed with it, don't buy
0: it. Thank you very much. It's been absolutely fascinating to uh, talk to you again, and I hope our audience has has found this as interesting as I have. I'm also gonna say thank you for joining us from your own home, your own lounge, because I've thoroughly enjoyed seeing you against what, what looks a really interesting backdrop. So you've got the fire. I think I can hear some doves or pigeons cooing in the background. Maybe that's my imagination. Um, and, no,
1: no, lots of pigeons, lots of doves.
0: <laughs> okay, and and you've got those interesting machines behind you, so it's a really fascinating setting. I think we'd we'd like to do more with you, Sue. so so um, we'll make this the first and see where we can go from here. But Clive, thank you very much indeed.
1: Well, thank you so much for inviting me on. It's been a great pleasure. I'd love to come back
0: for our audience. Uh, we'll repeat our. We're not offering medical advice. And if you if you've got a condition, you should seek help from your GP. We've been talking about health and what people can do to improve their general health. And we're particularly interested in simple things that people can do to make their lives better. So we'll end on that upbeat note. Thank you all very much for joining us. And as I said, I think we'll be seeing uh, Clive Decarle again. It's been really interesting. Okay, bye bye.